Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Pastor Brad. You probably don't recognize me because I have been dieting this week. And, uh, yeah, wow. I've lost a lot of weight. I'm going on two pounds right now. That's right. That's right. The man boobs, they are leaving. Two pounds a week at a time. Don't look so disappointed, Tommy. <laughs> we showed you a video this morning, and for those of you who were with us last year on New Year's, that video probably looked familiar to you, because it was a theme that we used last year in 2012 and really began our vision and direction for 2012. And that was out with the old and in with the renewed. Well, in 2013, uh, we also are going to have a vision for the year, and it is up, in, and out. And so over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to share with you uh, the direction that I believe that that God is calling us to go into here at One Love Church and, and some of the things that God is going to ask of you and that I'm going to ask of you that may force you to do something that is uncomfortable to you. Uh, It may force you to be a part of a ministry team that you've never considered being a part of. It may force you to be a part of an outreach team that maybe you've never considered being a part of one of those outreach teams. It may force you to join us in our partnership with Thomas (laughs) Siafa. I know, like half my life. With Thomas Siafa, who uh, has orphanages in Africa, and those of you who were here when he came and shared with us, we're going to go on a missions trip with him and take care of some of those orphanages while we're out there. You may have to be one of those people to go out and get your 16 shots or whatever it is so that you can get on a plane and go to Africa. Yeah, all of you right now are like, that ain't me. Amen. Just wait. Just wait. I'm telling you, she keeps, she keeps doing that. She's going to be the first one on the plane you watch. No, no, I don't. No, I don't. I don't want to bet on that one. But the reason I say that to you is because I want you to be open in 2013 to what God may be calling you or asking you to do, not only in the life of One Love Church, but in your personal situation. Uh, just this year, Josh had no idea that he was going to be the worship leader at One Love Church, and, and God hit him over the head by a two-by-four, and boom, we have a worship leader. So feel free any time this week to hit Josh over the head with a two-by-four, because he just told me not too long ago that he's really appreciative of that, that that happened, right? <clears throat> but this year, when we talk about up, in, and out, we're going to start this week with Up. What do I mean by up? It is very simple, and most of you have probably already figured out what up, in, and out will, will mean. It's not very difficult. But up is this. We will love God. Hey, it's even up on the wall. We will love God, right? That's not a hard one to do because we are a church. And it's just kind of accepted that we will come here and we will love God, that we will go into our lives and we will still love God. So what does that mean? What does it look like to love God, and who is God that he is worthy of our love? Now, all of our experiences here are going to be really different. 
The way that I have encountered God throughout my life and the life journey that's brought me to this point right now is going to look, trust me, it's crazy, and it's going to look absolutely different from where your life journey is taking you and maybe even where you are right now on your life journey. And it may be one of those things that to you, our expression of love to God really isn't any different than every single day of my life. I really don't express love. And I think for some reason that coming in here and singing four verses of a song, uh, that shows God that I love him, right? And for this brief moment, at this time every single week, I'm going to love God by standing here and, and singing a repetitive song that uh, for some reason makes me feel a whole lot better than I'm sure it makes God feel because God can hear my voice, right? And so we, we say to ourselves, how important really is it that I love God if I can live my life in a way that loving God really never takes precedence in anything that I do? Because if I had to choose between cheering for the Browns on a Sunday morning and cheering for God on a Sunday morning, I'm going to tell you right now I'm picking the Browns. Hey. There's a reason why we like Josh so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you Bengals fans can't say a whole lot today, okay? I mean, you made it there, but come on, you do the same thing every time you make it there. <laughs> now listen. Zach, that was for you. My point is this. We do not value, or we don't put enough value, maybe I should say it that way. We don't put enough value on what it means to really love God. Because if we did, it would change our experience in life to a point where people would not just see you in life. And your value wouldn't be in what people view in you. But you would understand that you are nothing but a light. You're nothing but the salt. You're nothing but a reflection of the God that you serve. So if your reflection is consistently anything but God, then guess who you serve? If your reflection is anything but Jesus Christ, then who is it that we serve? And, and that is the value that we have got to instill, not only in ourselves, but in our families, and not only in our families, but in our churches, in the institutions that we get together, the communities that we bring together and we say to ourselves, what is it that brings this thing importance? Is it the walls? Is it the pictures? Is it the carpet? Is it how beautiful? Is it like Joel Olstein, that gold globe that circles around? That thing is insane. Have you seen that? We could fund like 10, maybe 100 years just from that globe. The thing is incredible. Or the gold chairs on TV, which, you know, in all seriousness, Chris could make you a gold chair if you really want to. <laughs> really want so what is it about God that we should love him first God is good God is good Psalm 86 verse 5 says this you're well known as good and forgiving big-hearted to all who ask for help now this is the easiest of all of God's attributes it's the easiest thing for us to say about God you know why because the most conversation we have with God is asking for help right? Anytime we're in trouble, who do we go to first? Bam, right? Anytime we need something, who do we go to first? So saying that God is good is an easy thing, right? It's one of those characteristics that it's like no kidding, 
Of course God is good. Because if he wasn't good, then he wouldn't be the first one I run into every time I stub my toe. But God is also eternal. Psalm 102.12, but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. What's this mean? It means this. The God of Abraham and the God of Jacob and the God of Moses and the God of David, the God of Esther, the God of Ezra, the God of Micah, as you continue on in Scripture, we see all these amazing things that have happened in Scripture, and what we tell ourselves is he's a good God because of what he did then. But what we have to understand is Scripture teaches us, and the basis of God is this, that God is eternal. The God of Jacob is my God. The God of Moses is my God. The God of Peter is my God. If God, when Peter walked this earth, can choose Peter, and if you don't know anything about Peter, all you need to know is this. Peter was a stubborn, hard-headed individual that thought his way was the right way, even for Jesus. Any of you qualify with those characteristics? Just me, right. But if God can choose Peter, and God can do the things through Peter that God... Let me tell you the most, to me, the most important scripture in all of the Bible, minus the crucifixion of Christ, is when Peter... Now this is just to me, because I'm a preacher, so it's important to me. Peter stood out in front of thousands of people, and the Bible tells us that he told his testimony. Right? Now did he preach rules? Did he preach regulations? Did he tell people what they were doing wrong and how they were going to hell and how many sins they were doing in their lives? No. Scripture tells us he preached his testimony. And 3,000 were saved. Now what does that mean to me? It means this. That the God who affected Peter in such a mighty way that he could stand out and just say, look at what God has done in my life and thousands of people could be saved, is my God today. Is the same God working through me today and working through you today. That type of God, that God, is a God who deserves my love. God is everywhere. Psalm 139. If there, is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings... To the far western horizon, you would find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. God is everywhere. Now, why is this important? Because I think sometimes we think when we stumble and when we fall, God leaves. Or when we mess up, maybe sometimes we've been taught wrong theology. And and we believe that if we sin, God leaves us. Right? And so we grow up not really wanting to do what's right because we love God, not really wanting to live a blessed and full life, that life that God has given us to live, but just making sure we don't do anything wrong. And so our life becomes more about not doing anything wrong and less about loving God. You become a follower of rules, not a follower of God. You with me? But if we understand that God is everywhere, and we understand this, that God is holy, Isaiah 6.3, which, by the way, is Isaiah's favorite book of the Bible. I don't know if you knew that or not. (laughs) Isaiah 6.3, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah 30.18, God is just, but 
God's not finished. He's waiting around to be gracious to you. He's gathering strength to show mercy to you. God takes the time to do everything right. Everything. And those who wait around for him are the lucky ones. And finally, God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 1, 7 through 9. Just think, you don't need a thing. Uh Uh-oh. Now let me ask you a question before we continue there. If Scripture tells me that I don't need a thing, then why is it the only time I talk to God is when I need a thing? 1 Corinthians 1, 7 through 9, just think, you don't need a thing, you've got it all. All God's gifts are right in front of you as you wait expectantly for our Master Jesus to arrive on the scene for the finale. And not only that, but God himself is right alongside to keep you steady and on track until things are all wrapped up by Jesus. God, who got you started in this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his Son and our Master Jesus. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. So here is a God that is good, that is eternal, that is everywhere, that is holy, that is just, and that is faithful. And let me tell you something. I'm just scratching the surface of the characteristics of God in Scripture. Because here's what I want you to get today, and and it's very simple. That we as a church, as we move into 2013, for us to truly be effective in this community... For us to truly know what it means to be a church in a Christian community, the first thing we've got to get right is understanding and loving God. It's the very first thing. It's the connection between you and God. A connection that no longer takes anything in between the two of you. But now through the blood of Jesus Christ means that you can have a personal relationship with God immediately in this moment. This God who is faithful, this God who is just, this God who will never give up on you, this God who has already equipped you with amazing gifts and amazing talents. You know, I think about our service last Sunday. We had all these kids down here, and, you know, we had the, the magic that didn't quite go right, right? But I thought about all that because I was already kind of thinking about what we were going to talk about today. And the biggest part of that for me was, was pretty simple, and it was this. As we go into 2013, there are five key things that I believe when we consider loving God that we have to hold on to and we have to be true to as we move forward. And if we do those things, then I truly believe that God's going to continue to bless this church in, in, in an even mightier way than he already has in 2012 and 2011. The first one is this, thinking about those kids, thinking about that magic that didn't quite go right. Thinking about all of us who were blessed by that had me thinking one major thing, and that is this. We need to be thankful. We need to be thankful. I want to read to you Psalm chapter 9. And it begins with a statement of thankfulness. But then as we continue on in that chapter, you're going to see different attributes that the psalmist begins to live out in the words that he's saying to God. Now, for us to really love God, we've got to understand this scripture in a different way than maybe we usually read scripture, because oftentimes we just kind of breeze through. But I want you to understand that this is a prayer. This is a psalm. This is from the writer to God. This is an immediate connection, right? 
And so much like us, I want you to feel the heart and I want you to see the spirit of the person who is writing to this and lifting this up to God. This is where we're going to get our five uh, steps for our game plan for up today. Psalm chapter 9 starts like this. I'm thanking you, God, from a full heart. I'm writing the book on your wonders. I'm whistling and laughing and jumping for joy. I'm singing your song, high God. The day my enemies turned tail and ran, they stumbled on you and fell on their faces. You took over and set everything right. When I needed you, you were there taking charge. You blow the whistle on godless nations. You throw dirty players out of the game. You wipe their names right off of the roster. Enemies disappear from the sidelines. Their reputation trashed. Their names erased from the halls of fame. God holds the high center. He sees and sets the world's mess right. He decides what is right for us earthlings. Gives people their just desserts. God's a safe house for the battered, a sanctuary during bad times. The moment you arrive, you relax, and you're never sorry you knocked. Sing your songs to Zion dwelling God. Tell his stories to everyone you meet, how he tracks down killers, yet keeps his eye on us, registers every whimper and moan. Be kind to me, God. I've been kicked around long enough. And once you've pulled me back from the gates of death, I'll write the book on hallelujahs. On the corner of Main and First, I'll hold a street meeting. I'll be the song leader. We'll fill the air with salvation songs. They're trapped, those godless countries, in the very snares they set. Their feet all tangled in the net they spread. They have no excuse. The way God works is well known. The cunning machinery made by the wicked has maimed their own hands. The wicked bought a one-way ticket to hell. No longer will the poor be nameless. No more humiliation for the humble. Up God. Aren't you fed up with their empty strutting? Expose these grand pretensions. Shake them up God. Show them how silly they look. Now, I don't know about you, but much of my Christian life was empty strutting. Much of my church life was empty strutting. It was being where I had to be, doing what I had to do, following the rules that everybody else laid out before me, Trying not to be judged, trying not to be manipulated, trying not to be used. I wanted power in the church. I wanted authority in the church, but I didn't want the responsibilities in the church. And so everything that surrounded this became to me a Christian lifestyle or a Christian walk. And for some reason, I thought in my spirit that all that stuff was in the Bible somewhere. And then one day I read the Bible. And you know what I figured out? In our churches, we are full of a lot of empty strutting. And so I pulled from here, just just from this psalm, five things that I believe that came out of the heart of David here. 
as he was pouring out to God. Five things that I want to push us to do here in 2013. The first one is, we already talked about it, be thankful. We as a church are going to be thankful. I'm asking you as a people to be thankful, to see the blessings that God's put in your life. Because a lot of us, what we tend to do is, is we're thankful and we're grateful for a small period of time. But really the things that we hold on to are the things that bring us pain. And I've never really understood that. Because those are the things that really I want to let go of. And I want to accept the blessings and be, live a life of thankfulness for what God has given to me. The second thing that I want to do. In 2013 at One Love Church, we will be a sanctuary. Now what does that mean to be a sanctuary? There's a lot of different definitions of sanctuary but the one i want to talk to you about is the one david's talking about here when he says god you are like a sanctuary to me what's that mean you're like a house of safety to me at one love church those of you who have been with us from the beginning you know my heart here this is the most important thing to me that we understand what it means to be a community of christian believers Like Jesus began all the way back in Scripture. 2,000 years ago, he understood. Now, we've taken that, we've distorted that, manipulated that, and built what we now call a church. But I want to go back to that. And here's what I want you to understand. I want you to know that when you have a need, that we as a church here want to provide that need for you. And we're not going to charge you anything for it. And I don't mean money. I mean uh, in, in guilt or in hurt to your pride. There are people who are sitting next to you, I'm telling you right now, that this church has helped and you don't even know. And that's the most important thing to me. Do you understand? That we understand what it means to be a body of Christ. A believer who feeds when you're hungry and gives you water when you're thirsty. Who understands that you're all going to be short in your bills every now and then. And while we as a church don't have any money, y'all, I can show you the budget. We don't have any money, y'all. I will tell you this, that every time there's someone in need in this church, God provides Every single time. And if we continue to live in that way and be a church in that way, understanding that we will be a sanctuary, then God will continue to feed into us people who just need a place to worship God. Don't need to be worshipped. Don't need to find some other individual to worship. But come to worship God. We will be thankful. We will be a sanctuary. The third thing, we will be living testimonies. You want to love God? Then be who God has created you to be. Be a reflection of who God is in your life. If you get love from God, then love out. If you've been forgiven by God, then forgive. One of the harshest scriptures is when God says, If you do not forgive, I will not forgive. You know, we tell people all the time, oh, God will forgive you no matter what. It don't matter. But the truth of the matter is one of the harshest scriptures is when God says, if you do not forgive, I will not forgive. Be a forgiving people. Be a living testimony in your life. Don't be ashamed of what God has done in you. Be proud of what God has done in you. Number four, we will be vulnerable. This is one of those words I use all the time. You guys are probably tired of hearing about it. But I truly believe this. God and those around you who are instruments of God are going to have a hard time reaching you if you can't break down those barriers 
that you've built for yourself. Those barriers of safety or protection. Most of us have those because we've been abused. Or we've been hurt. Or we've got people in our lives right now who wait for any moment of vulnerability to attack us. But there is no greater example of vulnerability in Scripture than Jesus Christ. No greater example. Who said, even in this moment as I teach you what it means to stand with God, even in this moment you will murder me. That's vulnerability. And he knew the plan, right? And finally, we will be simple. You know, I tease a lot you know, about the globe thing and all the other stuff. But the truth of the matter is I really do believe that we're going to be simple because I don't believe it's our job to create for you some enormous building that makes you feel proud when you walk through the doors. I really don't care about that. I know, I'm sorry. Those of you who thought you were going to have a personal recliner in here one day, it's not, it's not going to happen. But let me tell you what will happen. Let me tell you what will happen. I promise you that we're going to be a simple church, and that means this. That if you feel like God is calling you to serve in some way, we want to provide you an opportunity to serve. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to give you an exam. We're not going to find out whether or not you're Christian enough to be in whatever position. But I I will tell you this. You will be accountable. And if God's calling you to do something in our church, we want to provide you with that opportunity to do that thing. If God's calling you to be baptized... We're not going to quiz you on what baptism means to you. We're going to baptize you. If God's moving in your life and you feel like you need to turn your life over to God, we're not going to give you a 12-step process. But we're going to understand and believe that God's calling you to make a change. And as long as you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's this really cool dude named the Holy Spirit who's going to do all that stuff for you. And I don't have to stand up here and slap your hand with with a ruler every time you do something wrong. Because to me, the church life is simple. And it means this. It means that I'm going to love you. That I'm going to greet you with a smile every single week. I don't care where you come from. I don't care that you're a Bengals fan. I don't care what your history is. I'll tell you this right now. I will greet you every single week. Because you know why? You are in my family and you have worth to me. You have worth to me. You have value to me. And until we understand that about each other, we're never going to function as a holy body that God has called us out to be. If we live our lives in the same way that we live our lives on a day-to-day basis, we'll never get there. And let me tell you what the difference is. The church life should be the beginning of the momentum for the rest of your days. What do I mean by that? When you get here on Sunday... You should be fed into. You should feel refreshed. You should feel motivated to know that as I get out on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and all these pressures come upon me and all these forces uh, come upon me that I'll know this, that my God who is faithful and just and true has given me the tools to stand firm in my faith, has given me the ability to stand firm in my faith. And I know that if God is with me, Who can be against me? I'll tell you who won't be against you. The church. Up. What does up mean to me? Up means this. 
we as a church body at One Love Church will behave, will function, will act, will move, will love, will reach, will communicate in a way that brings all glory to God. And if we fail in that in any way, we will repent, we will ask for forgiveness, and we will bring the glory again to God even in those moments. Job, let me close with this, Job. I'm reading Job this week. And, and Job says this. You know, Job's family was taken away. Job's kids were taken away. His crops were taken away. His animals were destroyed. The armies were invading him. And all this that God had given him had been wiped away. And do you know what God said, or what Job said uh, to his friends, which I thought, you know, it still brings me tears when I think about it. Job says this. God gave it to me. God can take it away from me. But in either way, may God have the glory. That to me is how we need to live our lives and how we need to function as a church. No matter what happens here, no matter what God does with us. If we continue to grow at a 200% rate in 2013, praise the Lord for that. If we don't, praise the Lord for that. If God gives us all the money in the world and all of a sudden we can have all the ministries in the world and everything's all bright and sunny and we have to buy golden globes because God just throws them on us. (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. But if we continue to move forward in a way that I hope God leads us and the last thing we would ever want is a golden globe, praise the Lord for that. You with me? Will you stand? Here's how I want to close today. I want to ask you to do something that maybe, just maybe, you've never done before. Or maybe you have done in other churches or in other places and God's never really directed you uh, to do anything before. Here's what I want to ask of you. Loving God is an easy sermon to preach. And it's easy for us all to accept because we all want to do that. Right? We all want to love God. Let me tell you what's hard to do. These next two things we're going to talk about. Out, loving others. And in, the responsibility we all have to each other. These are the two things that are really going to ask you to step out of your boundaries. Because I'm going to ask you to do things. I'm going to ask you to be parts of ministries. I'm going to ask you to move beyond these seats and become a function in One Love Church. And for a lot of you, I'm telling you right now, I know because I've been where you are. For a lot of you, that's the last thing you want to do. You don't want to have any part with that. And for some reason, I'm about to fall over. You with me? So here's what I want you to do. This week, I want you to pray. And I want you to tell God that you are an open vessel. And if you're not, don't pray that prayer. For some of you, the prayer might have to be as simple as a repentance prayer or a confession prayer or, a, God, I'm just giving you my life prayer. Maybe you're not ready for that step yet and you've got to begin somewhere, but begin this week. This is a new beginning, 2013, right? The resolutions that always fail, don't fail on this one. Go home and pray about this. And I promise you God's about to open something in you. Maybe something that's been hurt before and you've been closed. You haven't been vulnerable. But God's going to prepare you and open you because I'm going to tell you right now, there are big things happening in the life of One Love Church. And you're not here by accident. You are not here by accident. You are part of this church, this Christian community for a reason. And so I'm going to ask you to pray beginning this week 
that God showed you what that reason is. You with me? Hit the person next to you and say, don't forget to pray. That was a good one. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this church. Father, I thank you for this awesome responsibility that you've given us. And I pray, God, that over these next few weeks, I pray, Father, that as you begin to show us where you will have us to walk, that, Father, we will be obedient. I pray, God, that we can be a thankful church. I pray, God, that we can be a vulnerable church. I pray, God, that we can be a sanctuary. Father, I pray that in all that we do, Father, that you receive the glory. Because, Father, it's you that we serve. God, it's you that we love. Father, I confess to you right now, anything in this church that stands in the way of that. And we pray that you understand and know that, God, everything we do is for your glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.